Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode is a little bit different. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about spanking. I decided I wanted to share this sort of intimate part of my life with everyone for the podcast. I've been going to national spanking parties for about five years now. And if you don't know what that is, (laughs) most people don't. Uh, There are probably six to seven parties that happen throughout the country, throughout the year, every year, and it's a gathering of spankos, and a spanko is someone who has a main fetish for spanking, and spankos will gather for a weekend or a week just to get together, to share the experience of spanking, and to have community. When I was about 20 or 21, I attended Shadow Lane for the first time. And this is a spanking party that's held in Las Vegas. One of my friends brought me and she was already a friend from the BDSM community and she encouraged me to try this out because the spanking scene is very different than the BDSM scene, especially in Los Angeles. So I went into this with an open mind, not really knowing what anything was going to be like other than I was hoping to get spanked. (laughs) So I went and I found the most incredible community of people. And one of the things that kind of shocked me was that there was this energy of family with all of these people. And so many of us had similar experiences, whether it be our upbringings or just our interests. But I was really curious about how all of these common threads came together to create the fabric of this community. So I was really passionate about sharing this with a podcast. So the last time I went to the National Spanking Party, which was about a month and a half ago, I decided to conduct a few interviews while I was there. Before I go into any of the interviews, I thought I would open up and share a little bit about my experience with spanking. So I had never been spanked until I was 20 years old. And the first time I was ever spanked, uh, I had started seeing my very first dominant. And I actually had a situation where someone in my life who I thought was a friend had violated boundaries sexually. And I felt a little bit of shame around it and confusion about the experience. And I told my dominant at the time what happened. Uh, how I didn't really want to have sex with this person, but I felt, you know how the story goes. There's a lot of gray area. But anyways, my dominant made me write an essay about how I needed to always have consent with sex, how I needed to respect myself more and prioritize my own sexual needs. And the next time I saw him after I wrote the essay, I got my first spanking. And this was a punishment spanking. Uh, So, you know, we had established that we would have a spanking scene to punish me for uh, not standing up for myself sexually, which is an interesting (laughs) experience in itself. Uh, What I experienced was kind of mind-blowing. It's really hard to describe if you've never had this experience, but I just felt this beautiful energetic exchange where I trusted this person to put me through this you know kind of painful experience but it was for the betterment of myself and that was really powerful for me and I realized that I really enjoyed spanking uh, and impact play has become my main fetish and impact play is basically being hit by stuff. (laughs) So whether it be floggers or canes, paddles, 
a hand. Impact play is kind of where it's at for me. But what was really interesting was the cathartic experience I got from it. And I know that a lot of the other people in the spanking scene have had similar experiences of catharsis. And after a while, I kind of realized that I had a spiritual connection to it as well. If magic is the ability to shift consciousness at will, then spanking is kind of a tool or a vehicle to get you to a state of shifted consciousness. And that was really exciting for me. And I kept wanting to go back to this magical place in my mind. Whenever I would play, whether it be spanking or implement play or, you know, other BDSM activities, I kind of created this, this meditative visualization practice when I was experiencing pain. And I felt it was a way for me to heal past trauma, and a way for me to kind of connect deeper to myself. And I think that if you have a relationship with pain that is not just reactive, but if you lean into it, there's so much that you can explore about yourself. I really loved being able to explore the depths of my mind through pain. And that is something that I always go back to with BDSM and why it's such a huge part of uh, the conversations on this podcast. And going back to spanking, I also was chatting with someone at a spanking party a few years ago and talking about the cathartic experiences from it. And they pointed out that it's really a root chakra practice. So your root chakra is at the base of your spine. And with spanking, you are hit just below the spine on uh, the fleshy parts of your bottom. And I also had this realization that this is sort of a vibrational healing for the root. And that's something that I think people can explore further and that it's not really talked a lot about in the Spanko community um, as much as it could be. And I think it's something that people who are interested in BDSM can explore. I also wanted to talk about uh, the neurological elements of BDSM. So there are certain hormones or chemicals that are released in our brain as we experience these practices. And those are adrenaline, dopamine, endorphins, and oxytocin. And these are all really delicious, yummy, happy things that can happen for our brain. But you have to go through the pain or you have to go through the discomfort in order to get there. And I think that says something a lot about our lives and we can explore further through these practices. With spanking as well, it's such a huge energetic exchange. And we talk a lot about this in spirituality as well. You know, there's an energetic exchange with the people that you interact with day to day. There's an energetic exchange with the people you work with, where you get your money from uh, romantically. The experience of being a top or a bottom in a spanking scene is an energetic exchange that I haven't experienced anywhere else. And there's so much trust, there's so much communication, and there's such a heightened state of awareness and shifted consciousness that happens with spanking. So I decided to talk to a few friends while I was at the spanking party in Vegas about a month and a half ago. And I hope you enjoy the following interviews. And if you're interested in trying out spanking, there's a lot of great resources out there. And I'm happy to list them on our Instagram, our website as well. And I'll do that in the show notes for this episode. If you're curious about attending one of the spanking parties, uh, I suggest you go on FetLife. And um, I'm happy to connect you with the uh, community leaders of this community. Um, they happen all across the country and some 
out of the country, out of the U.S. as well. So there's an opportunity to explore. And if this is something that piques interest for you, I really invite you to, to dive in. So I am sitting down with Dandelion, who is currently at the spanking party with me. And uh, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Kind of how you got into the scene? Sure. Um, so I'm a lifelong spanko. It is <laughs> something that has always super intrigued me. And like, you know, I was one of those kids that looked it up in the dictionary and was like, oh, that's. I'm just looking up the word that really arouses me and I don't know what's going on. Um, or like a spanking scene in movies or TV just super interested me as a kid. But almost like it was an interest uh, or like in even more widely sort of BDSM was an interest before I even knew what sex was. Mm. Um, so there was like never a point where I got interested. It was always there. Mm. Um, but, you know, as a kid, I just sort of that once the internet was available, I sort of looked things up online, but was way too shy to venture out. Mm -hmm. And then a friend that I made online spent about a year and a half or two years encouraging me to come to parties and convincing Aww. me that people were not crazy. And in this scene specifically, people were actually super sweet. Mm. Um, and I went with it. I, I finally, in my, I think I was 29 or 30, came to my first party and saw that, wow, people are actually really awesome and really sweet. Um, and it was pretty strange for the first time seeing a room full of people like whacking each other just out in the <laughs> open. Um, but then it becomes normalized very quickly and mm. it just feels like super liberating to be around so many people that are like me. Mm. So I'm kind of hooked on them now and mm -hmm. uh, keep coming. Yeah. It's so beautiful to have a community that shares this, like, I don't even know, kink, passion, mm -hmm. interest mm -hmm. with you. And it's something that, you know, culturally in our society has not really been talked about or accepted. But there is a whole community of people who are accepting and are open-minded. Yeah, I was talking to a friend about it earlier today that it's almost like, BDSM more widely in recent years has become more accepted and more mainstream. I mean, obviously with the, you know, that shitty book and film Fifty Shades of Grey and everything, yeah. <laughs> but, but like BDSM has entered mainstream culture a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like more taboo to say I'm a spanko or like I'm into yeah. spanking than to say like I'm kinkier, I'm into BDSM. Mm -hmm. It's just more obscure. And I think for a lot of people brings up more of a connection with maybe a fear that it has to do with children or like mm. abuse in some way so I think it's a little bit more taboo and more embarrassing to talk about but yeah, yeah it's interesting that's something that we haven't really discussed yet is that like people immediately associate it with like kids getting spanked right yeah and I I was never spanked as a kid I actually am one of the weirdo spankos in which I didn't have the interest until I mm. had been spanked, um, mm. when I was 20. Uh, but yeah, I think it's interesting that it's a common punishment for kids and always mm. has been, but mm. it's, it affects people who haven't had that experience as children. Right. And any, I mean, you'll ask Spankos, like, where did this originate for you? And everyone has a different answer. So mm -hmm. some people were spanked as kids. Some people weren't. I wasn't. And the eroticism surrounding it has absolutely nothing to do with children. I work with children. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people in this scene would never hit their kids and are staunch advocates against it. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I think it's just sort of that misunderstanding that that's what it has to do with. But, mm. um, what do you feel about the energetic exchange of spanking? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what kind of intrigued me to talk to you because <laughs> as you said, this was a set, you know, you do a sex magic podcast and like, what is sex magic? It's using the energy of a really heightened state of arousal and channeling it towards something. Being in a really connected spanking scene with someone is the most heightened state of focused arousal there is for me. Mm. It is the most present 
I am. So, you know, you talk about mindfulness and you talk about being in the moment and presence. And I feel like the energetic exchange of being in that sort of a power exchange with someone is the most present I feel ever Mm. um, when it's good. (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's also just the like the pleasure of letting go and completely releasing and Mm -hmm. trusting someone else to sort of know what you need and give you what you need and keep you safe. Um, It's that letting go. That's just an incredible feeling. Yeah, it's a beautiful release. I agree. Yeah. So what is your uh, spirituality or religion? Um, I don't have a defined religion, but I've been interested in witchcraft since I was... 12 or 13 I was raised Catholic and went to Catholic school and sort of always got in trouble um saying sort of subversive things and honestly at the time I don't remember questioning when I would say those things I remember more being a class clown and trying to make people laugh um but yeah around um 12 13 I just became really disconnected with the things that were being taught to me. And I was always sort of drawn to occult things. Mm. I grew up in Boston, pretty close to Salem. So I used to ask my mom to take me to Salem and I was just fascinated by that city Mm. and sort of how this really tragic history in that city drew a community of pagans to then create like a really beautiful thing over that. Um, Yeah, you're right. So now it is the city that all Mm. these herbalists and pagans and people interested in the occult gravitate towards and created this really wonderful community over. Um, So I've just always been drawn to anything about witchcraft and magic and started more seriously learning about it maybe around 14 and 15 Mm -hmm. by just books that I would secretly read in Barnes and Nobles because it would freak (laughs) my parents out. (laughs) Um, And have just sort of been yeah, practicing on and off since then, and I'm I'm 32 now, so that's more than half of my life. Mm. Um, <laughs> but it's all it's always been like a very personal thing. I've never really had community around it, so mm. that's another really beautiful thing for me. More recently, is these parts of me that were always more secret, like my fetishes mm-hmm. and the spanking scene and BDSM scene, as well as my interest in in witchcraft and Mm. paganism are both things that have become, I don't know if they've become more accepted more widely or if I've just become more comfortable as I get older, seeking out community around those things. Um, that's powerful. Yeah. But that has been a big change for me in more recent years. So Mm. I love that. (laughs) Uh, do you find spanking to be spiritual? That's such a good question. I never made that connection before, but Uh, Yeah, you feel most spiritual when you're not in your head, when you're fully present and connected with something sort of bigger than yourself. And that's, yeah, like being in an intense power exchange scene with somebody is just the most heightened, pure state that it's absolutely spiritual. Yeah, I mean, I had never thought of it that way before. Hmm. but now I'm kind of looking at it <laughs> with a new lens yeah <laughs> I uh I think I, it was a few years ago I was at one of these parties and I can't remember who said this to me but someone mentioned that spanking was healing for the root chakra oh, and yeah. the root chakra is at the base of your spine uh and that's exactly where you experience the vibrations from being hit and spanking that is a really incredible connection I hadn't thought of that yeah and I thought about it more and our root chakra is also the place in which we have our our sense of like security Mm -hmm. our sense like our safety with ourselves Mm -hmm. our our relationship with our parents our our deepest most like base needs and I feel like it's interesting that people associate spanking you know, with spanking kids, and that is the root chakra place that's so healing mm-hmm. to heal childhood trauma or mm-hmm. to connect with your inner child. And um, 
Yeah, so for me, I, I think it's interesting because people immediately find spanking to be a sexual act. Mm -hmm. And actually more in this community and I guess in you know the cases in which it's used for real discipline, which I don't think people should do anymore. Um, where was I going with this? Totally had a point. <laughs> that it's not necessarily sexual, but exactly. more of a healing. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm, I was getting chills as you began saying that, <laughs> like connecting it to the root chakra, which is your security, because that's what spanking is for a lot of people. Mm. I mean, it's a fe I think it's a fetish and it's tied to a lot of people's sexuality. I think a lot of spankos will say spanking is their sexuality, mm. which doesn't necessarily mean they do a scene and then they want to have sex with that person, but it's it's inherently tied into your sexuality. But it also, for a lot of people, is just this deep need for this emotional release that is tied yeah. to, like, this feeling of needing to trust someone fully to help you have this release. It is extremely healing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's so cool. <laughs> What's your favorite part about the scene? Um, my favorite part about the scene is that it taught me to not take myself so seriously. <laughs> because originally, you know, this friend I had made online, which I'll just say it was Joe. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and it seems that's what he does for people. Mm -hmm. Was, you know, we were talking about it back and forth and he mentioned parties. And my response was sort of, why would I want to go to a party? Like, I want to be punished, you know? <laughs> um, and it's, you know, I came to realize you can't take everything so seriously. Mm. You have to just sort of try out new things. And so it was, yeah, it was just coming here and sort of seeing, like, how comfortable people were. Mm-hmm being both really vulnerable and really silly. Yes. That was really surprising for me as well. Yeah. And how casual it is. Right, like it's yeah. Just, everybody's just like, oh, do you want to play? Sure, let's go. And for me, like, I, I'm i not too keen on the, like, uh, like the scary discipline kind mm -hmm. of scenes, mm -hmm. but I had never experienced the, like, silly scenes. And yeah. I had a few of them before where I'm like, laughing yeah. as I'm being, like, spanked, and it's, like, punishment, but it's, right. it's wonderful. And yeah. I think that people don't know that there can be so many shades right. of this experience. Right, exactly. And, yeah, I'm someone for whom all of those shades is kind of appealing. Like, I am, I do have sort of that interest in that disciplinary aspect. Mm -hmm. And I also just love the feeling of a more gentle, silly mm. scene. And, yeah. like, yeah, it's kind of meditative at times. Like, mm -hmm. the, it's, you know, the rhythmic caning thing that some people were doing yesterday. Mm. It's, like, it actually puts you into a bit of a meditative state. Uh, in traditional shamanism, you use a drum or a mm -hmm. staff to shift the consciousness. Mm -hmm. And actually, if you think about it, when you spank someone, it's similarly a beat. That's interesting. It's true. I yeah. about that. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's curious about mm. engaging in spanking in their, you know, their own personal lives or in mm -hmm. the spanking community? Just to really talk out what your needs are first with whoever you engage with. Um, because it is so many different things to so many different people. Um, so like compatibility is hard with finding people who have the same, you know, obscure interests as you, but even <laughs> within that, there are so many shades. So, and you can't always know what you want. You're exploring, but communicate that and start mm -hmm. slow. And parties are a great thing for that reason, because you can sort of see who's been doing it for a while and, find who they, you know, who they trust and who they recommend as good mentors and good teachers and people who are safe to play with. And when you are in that sort of public space, you can sort of figure out who you connect with, who you might want to play with in a more private space or mm -hmm. not play with, maybe be disciplined by or um, that sort of thing. But I would just, the advice I would give too is 
not to be overly cautious about it. I don't mean to act like it's something super dangerous or scary, but just to understand that just because someone's a top doesn't mean they know what they're doing. Mm, So you do have to be cautious as a bottom. Um, And just to be as communicative as possible Mm -hmm. as you're going. It's okay to stop something halfway through or a fourth of the way through if it doesn't feel right. Mm. I think something I want to just point out to the listeners is that um, BDSM is really wonderful in uh, teaching communication in regards to relationships, whether it be kinky or not, but there's always a conversation before you engage in play. You tell someone your boundaries, your needs, your desires, and I remember when I discovered the BDSM scene when I was about 20 or so, it was alarming to me that I felt more safe there. And, you know, people think, oh, it's dangerous if you're getting hit, but I felt more, you know, in danger when I was in vanilla uh, experiences with men or, you know. Oh my gosh, that's absolutely true. I was, you know, you're asking me earlier, what are your favorite things about this community? And another one I would add is just that by necessity, kinky people end up being far more skilled communicators than Mm -hmm. a lot of the people in other areas of my life Mm -hmm. because you have to be. Um, And so with that comes a more heightened sense of self-awareness. So I find that in the spanking scene and in other sort of like kinky spaces in my life, I have more, you know, more friends who are really self-aware and like have that, those communication skills, which Mm -hmm. is really refreshing. And I feel like awareness of self is so huge in being spiritual as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It all, it all ties in with each other. Mm, Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to talk about or share or? No, it's just when you mentioned that you were making this podcast, it was, it occurred to me that despite feeling like I'm, you know, so open-minded and self-aware, I'd never talked about this (laughs) beyond, you know, to people at parties. It's never something that I've had to articulate, Mm. um, before, I don't know, it's, it's never something that I've had to like sit down and think about and talk about. Mm. So I was just, it just sounded like a really liberating thing to Yay. do, which is why I was intrigued <laughs> to come try to do that. I'm happy to start the conversation. Like, yeah, stumbling over my words a little bit, but Aww. yeah. Um, no, is there anything else I'd want to add? No, I, not that I can think of. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. So I am sitting down with my friend JC, who is also attending the spanking party this weekend. Uh, JC, do you want to share a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I've been in the national spanking party scene since 2013. Actually, my actual first party was uh, Boardwalk Badness in Atlantic City. Um, And I mean, that's pretty much all she wrote. I mean, it's... I've, I've jumped in and I haven't stopped. I haven't looked back. So, and the only regret I re- regret I have is that I hadn't, I didn't start it sooner. Mm. Um, I think I met you at Shadow Lane, mm-hmm. 2014. <sighs> yeah, I think so. 2014, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it, it, I mean, time flies. It's just, like I said, no, you just, crazy. yeah, it is crazy. <laughs> um, and I met a lot of I've met a lot of great people along the way, and you know it's to, I wouldn't have it any other way. So, how did you discover spanking? Um, I think my journey is typical in, in the sense that I was interested in an early age, like many of us are. Um, I was one of those that you know would read the the in the dictionary the word spanking in the dictionary, and I would get like really interested if I caught like. Uh, glimpses of it in TV shows or movies and st- stuff like that, mm. and and then later on there were like AOL chat rooms and things of that <laughs> nature. I'm probably dating myself, but that's that's where that's pretty much all started to you know snowball and mm-hmm. become into what it is now. Um, and I eventually found Fet Life, and that's how I met most of my you know my family, as I refer them to. How I you know well, we all keep in touch and you know network with each other and everything, and mm. and that's pretty much it. Yeah, one of the things I love the most about this community is that it really does feel like family. 
It does. And you go to these parties and you see the same face. You look forward to seeing, you know, certain folks because you only see them once or twice a year. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody can do this the the same party. So it's it's always special when you get to hang out and see, you know, people you look forward to seeing because you only see them once or twice a year. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's just a lot of fun. So what does spanking mean to you? What does it mean? Um, <laughs> it could mean a lot of different things. Um, I see spanking as like uh, a deep connection with someone. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of trust involved in doing something like that. So the person that you're playing with obviously trusts you. Otherwise, you know, you would be playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of trust. And uh, and for the for the spanky, there's just a, it's, a, it's a cathartic and, you know, it's one of those things where it, it uh, it's like a, like a, like a power exchange, mm. you know, it's, uh, it's almost, it's almost difficult for me to put into words. It's just, it's a special moment that you can share with someone that you trust mm-hmm. and just to put it up, you know, simply, I guess. So you mentioned the word cathartic and that's something that I have found within both the BDSM community and with spanking and specifically from implement play and spanking. So how do you find spanking to be cathartic or even spiritual? And if so, how? I think uh, when you get the endorphins going, I think that's probably uh, a good way to describe it. You know, you get you get into the, the subspace and you get into the mm. to the zone for the person that that's uh, on the receiving end. Uh, it's special. And uh, like I said, there's a lot of trust that goes into something like that. So both people have to be on the same wavelength, so to speak. So, you know, to get the, you get, it's beneficial for both. I mm-hmm. think, you know, it's a, uh, it's just a special thing that's shared by two people that, you know, trust each other and, you know, obviously care about each other, to care about each other to some degree. Um, you know, it's, uh, what, what would you say? <laughs> um, well, I mean, for me, uh, the experience of, again, trusting someone enough to have my body and to share an experience that a lot of people don't get to experience um, by their, you know, with pain. I think it's the pain, trusting someone to give you a painful experience is one of the most, like, strangely intimate things I've ever experienced. And I, uh, I had some sexual abuse when I was growing up, and for me, engaging in this power dynamic was a way for me to reclaim my sexuality. And there's obviously some innate kink as well that, you know, that you can't really analyze too much. It's just there. But I think the catharsis that I get from this is the most is the energetic exchange with someone and that feeling of this is kind of dangerous, but this is a safe environment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's pain, but it's also like part psychological too, because mm-hmm. you know you got to let kind of let all your missions out the out the door, so to speak, and you know it's just one of those things where it's, it's physical and emotional and all mm-hmm. the things that come along with it, and yeah. I, totally agree with you so would you say it's spiritual um i guess you could say that you can say that in in some in some ways it's spiritual and cathartic at the same time um you know it's uh i guess i should ask what's your uh spirituality or religion that you i'm a catholic i was born Mm. and raised catholic i'm not necessarily a practicing catholic currently but i went through um, grade school and high school, mm. Catholic. Um, but it's not something that I, I practice, you know, daily or mm-hmm. often at all. You know, it's, it's just one of the things that I, 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 am not saying that I would never go back to that again, but, uh, the door's always open to, you know, revisit that part of who I was growing up. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of different ways of praying and, that's something that's so beautiful in the Catholic religion. And uh, I kind of feel that spanking is almost like a form of prayer as well. I could see that. <laughs> I could see that. Even if you're just like reflecting and not mm. necessarily praying, but just, you know, thinking about what happened and what's going on mm. and, you know, revisiting those things. And then, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's... It's a shifted state of consciousness. Yeah. Um, so as a top, do you... Uh, 
what do you experience? I... Because there's subspace in them. Yeah, there's subspace, and, I, and there's actually such a thing as a top space, too. Mm. Um, the endorphins are going, and, you know, things are, you know, things are going, and, you know, it's, uh, you, you get that sense of uh, almost, almost like a catharsis as well for, for, from, from my standpoint. And it's, it's, like you're, it's like I'm grateful that it's happening because the person I'm playing with trusts me enough to let me put them in that type of position. Mm. You know, and it's it's something that I, I think is special. It's it's intimate. It's there's a lot. Of, I can keep repeating myself, but there is a lot of trust involved. So it's yeah. it's just one of those things that I look forward to. You know, when someone lets go and lets me do what I what I what I want to do, it's 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 uh, it's great for both people. Mm-hmm. I think. What's your favorite part about the scene? Um, believe it or not, like the friendships that I made along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where, you know, we we uh, keep in touch when, when there aren't any parties going on, you know, mm. through text or email or whatever the, whatever the case may be. The the friends who I call my family that I've made over the years, that's what that's what is special to me. Mm. Of course the play is, is awesome too, don't get me <laughs> wrong. But it's that's it's 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 right up there with, you know, your friendships and, you know, the closeness mm. of the community. Because the community isn't really that big. Everybody basically knows who's who. Mm-hmm. And you know who's the new person when you step into a room. Like, I don't know that person. So there's, you know, there's this, always a sense of closeness when you walk into a room and you yeah. see the familiar faces. You also see, you know, new faces. And, you know, that's what we like to see. We like to see new new people and mm. like get the family a little bit bigger. Yeah. You know. What do you feel about the energetic exchange of a spanking dynamic? Um... Or how do you experience it? How do I experience it? Um, well, it also depends on the dynamic, too. Um, if I have a dynamic with someone and there's it's disciplinary or something of that nature, um, accountability and things like that, um, it's important for both people to be committed to doing it and not just one person committed. It, it, work, it has to be both people, you know, in order mm-hmm. for it to, to be anything. Um Something like that, a relationship like that, makes uh, things a lot more, you know, a lot more special. And it's almost like being in an actual relationship, even though it's not technically. A, a, I mean, a dynamic is kind of a relationship, but you, you, I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, as you're entering into this like space where you have this agreed relationship for that limited amount of time. Exactly, and there's there's rules and you know consequences and things that go along with that, and it's. <laughs> It's it's a beautiful thing. It it really is when it comes together and it works for both you know both people that are involved. It's it's a thing of beauty and it's it's basically what this community is all about too. And 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 of course, there's also like uh, you can spank for for play and or discipline or whatever the case may be. Mm. It's all it all falls into that um and that you no know, category family trust all that stuff kind of go you know coincides with each other. Yeah. So. One of the things that surprised me most about this uh, community, specifically with spanking parties, is that it is pretty much non-sexual. Yes. And I think a lot of people who don't know about the scene may be really surprised by that. I, 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 think, I think you're correct there, too. Some people might not know how it all works. You know, um, somebody comes in... Not knowing everything, all you know, and assumes that there's it's a, it's a lot more sexual in nature than what it really is because it it really isn't. You know, they might be um, under the false impression that there there is you know sex involved and what, mm. whatnot. So and maybe they are surprised and maybe like wait a minute, what's what's going on now? That kind of thing. So if it isn't sexual, then what is it? That's a good question. <laughs> what do you what do you think it is? Mm. I think it's uh, sensual. And I think that our our culture doesn't really allow us to have intimacy without sexual experiences being kind of like the end result. And I think that it's really exciting to have sensual intimacy with other people that doesn't lead to something else. Right. It can just be a spanking. That's better than I would put it. 
No, that's hundred percent correct. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. That's perfect, <laughs> and, and you're right. And that's where it, that's where it ends. And you know, there's a lot of emotions involved, and you mm. know, things like that. And then and that's it. You could just involve just a simple spanking, and then that's it. And mm. We'll go about our business, and you know, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. Yeah. But you're right. Uh, is there anything else that you want to share about uh, spanking or kink or? The topic of sexuality. Um, and the, the only thing I can I can really say if this is something that you're really interested in, just the, the spanking itself. I mean, don't be afraid to uh, network with people because most of us are are on FetLife and some of us, some of us are on Twitter and to network and see where where you know the closest national party is to to you if you're interested in in uh, you know taking the leap into the national party scene. It's it's a good time. Uh, you know, we're all, we're all, we're all good people. We're all, you know, we all, we all like I said, we all love to, uh, make, make the family just a little bit bigger. And I mean, don't, don't hesitate. Like I said, the, the only thing that I'm kicking myself out about now is that I didn't start it sooner. Mm. Um, but I mean, I'm having a blast right now and this is great and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> So I'm sitting down with my friend and we're going to have a little conversation about spanking. Uh, we're actually rooming together this party. <laughs> so, hello. Would you like hello. to share a bit about yourself? Uh, what do you want to know? <laughs> well, uh, I guess first off, uh, how did you find the world of spanking? Uh, I'd say that probably ever since I can remember any time something came up with spanking, uh, it kind of like perked my ears. And when I was a kid, definitely you don't want to get spanked or anything like that by your parents or whatnot, but it always intrigued me. I'd hear stories of my friends getting spanked or, or hear something like you'd see it on TV in a movie. Uh, maybe it was like even a torture scene in a, in a movie that I would feel <laughs> uncomfortable, but also... Uh, I don't want to say stimulated or aroused, but there was definitely something to it. And, um, you know, like uh, the scene in Rambo uh, when he's being tortured by the Russians or something like that. And, <laughs> you know, you're like, man, you know, Rambo's a badass. And then there was just something about that. And so anyways, going forward, I, I would say that any time it would come up, maybe looking at the same with looking up the dictionary words or whatever. And I think there was a point when um, when I realized, wait, this is exciting me. I think probably around the time of, you know, you start to... Puberty. You know, puberty starts kicking in. I think it kicked in a little early for me. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I was one of the youngest, you know, the... I was like, oh, I already know what's going on when they have the talk with you in the school. <laughs> I was like, oh, I already know what that is, mm -hmm. and I know what this is and stuff. So uh, I think that was around fourth grade. Mm. But uh, it was still something that I was like, oh, my God, I'm crazy. Like, this is something that I might like. Mm. You know, kind of shelve it for a while. And I think probably around seventh or eighth grade, I realized that it was something that I was interested in. So... From there, kind of shelve it. We didn't have the internet at the time. I'm dating myself now. <laughs> but uh, didn't have the internet. But you would ever, ever so, you know, ever so often see something in a movie or see something on TV or whatever. And um, I think it was around that time there was a really shitty movie by uh, the Pretty Woman creator mm. that came out with Rosie O'Donnell and Dan Aykroyd called Exit to Eden. And that was the movie that I said, holy shit, that's me. And, you know, the, the lead character in that movie. I'm not saying to go out and get it. You probably can't get it. You might be able to look it up on YouTube. I haven't seen this movie. I don't no, know. I want to go watch it. Yeah, it's, it was based, it's a really bad movie. <laughs> and it was a, a movie by, or it was a book by Anne Rice. Mm. But Anne Rice took her name off the movie because she did not want to be associated with it, connected with it, or anything like that. And I'm not telling anybody to go out there and buy this movie. You know, <laughs> don't put any of your hard-earned dollars to this movie. Mm. Try to pirate it, find it, or whatever, and, and enjoy it in that way. But the actual movie subplot is kind of shitty. But uh, the love story between Elliot and, oh, God, I can't remember her name. 
Miss Lisa. I think her name is Lisa. Joe Rogan podcast. Jamie, look that up for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it's Lisa. That's the relationship that, that really, I like. that's what I liked about the movie. Mm, so it sparked Was something that, for you. Yeah. And then uh, once you kind of accepted that it was part of your, like, sexual desires, how did you start to put that into practice? Like, did you find the scene then, or was it something you... Uh, I started with uh, looking online. You know, I got the internet around when I was about 18. Mm -hmm. So, thank God I didn't have it when I was 12 or 13, because who knows where I'd be right now. But... (laughs) Uh, getting it at 18, I, we didn't have much options. I think you had like, you know, chat rooms like Yahoo or AOL and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And there weren't a lot of options there, but you, it's pretty quick. You found people now, of course they were all over the world, all over the country, Mm -hmm. uh, to find somebody that was into it. And it was also a scary thing to, you know, at that time, it's also, it's the internet, this is bad, you shouldn't meet people online, you shouldn't do this stuff. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That phase of when everyone was like, don't meet anyone from the internet, it's yeah. scary. Internet dating was definitely not a thing. Mm. And I remember my cousin actually met his wife, he's currently married with, has a couple kids through the internet, and it was through uh, online dating. And we all, as a, the family, I wouldn't say me, but all the family thought he was crazy for this. But if you think about it, he moved to an area he knew nobody. And then he, he got a good job there. He got a good local, you know, community that he enjoyed, and he knew he was going to stay there. And so he went online and, and found a dating site, and early, you know, I think it was through Match or something like that. Mm. He finds her, and next thing you know, uh, hell, he could have found her through a spanking website. We don't know. Uh, you know, who knows what they were into. But bottom line is he found his wife that way. And uh, everybody thought he was crazy. And look who's still married with kids after 20-some years. And, uh, you know. So, yeah, for me, that that was that. So, looked into it. I thought about going to parties and stuff when I saw... I think Chatelaine was my gateway mm-hmm. to, the, to the drug. Yeah, that one's been you around know. for over 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. That was the original... Their links page was the page that led me to everything else because I didn't even know how to use a search engine when I first got the internet. But after that, that you know, everything just kind of blossomed and mm-hmm. and whatnot. But yeah, I I thought about meeting somebody, uh, vacillated between doing that and not, and then you know finally I thought about it and then kind of, you know, I chickened out, and I was probably only like nineteen at the time. I was really young. Uh, I ended up shelving that and then got into a really long-term relationship all during my 20s. So that kind of nixed the, you know, the urge to seek out. It didn't ner- nix the urge. It, I would definitely say that with the right person where you feel comfortable and secure, that there is definitely a spirituality to it in the way of you, time kind of stops. Like, you kind of feel like you're this in this little euphoric world that, I guess if you're receiving, that would be called subspace. But if you're giving, you can also feed off of that vibe, too, that everything kind of seems like time stops. And then when you're finished playing, it's four hours later, and you're like, what the hell happened? Mm. You know, I think there's definitely something to that. And, I mean, that's it's kind of a meditation to that. You know, yeah. So I think in other cultures, uh, you know, I think in other religions too, there's self-flagellation. You have things of where people will do these um, these types of acts to themselves that are very grinding or very uh, hard on their bodies, like mm-hmm. fasting. They'll fast for 30 days and it's, you know, where is that any different than doing some of these acts or practices? And it's not like a long-term thing that hurts you. But it is something that, you know, some parts of society would say, oh, that's weird. But then in other parts, it's, <laughs> that's perfectly normal. Yeah. So. so you're saying there's always kind of, in every religion or every, like, spiritual practice, there's always been a history of integrating pain into your piousness. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, I was raised Roman Catholic, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I was raised with all that guilt. 
And I think that guilt was a, a hard thing to... I, I think that was more damaging um, emotionally mm-hmm. to me over, over the course of years. And I actually came out and said that um, to my parents one time. Mm-hmm. I said that, uh, you know, I, I feel like there was definitely an emotional uh, type of abuse that goes into that because there's a lot of guilt that is thrown on a child mm-hmm. that you're supposed to, you know, you're you have to meet this certain expectation. And when and of course nobody can meet that expectation. Yeah. And then when your body goes through changes and everything else, it, you know, you hold you you harbor guilt on that and then you're supposed to confess that to another person, which is a priest or something like that. And you don't always feel like you're comfortable doing that. So then uh, as a child, you you definitely feel this inadequacy. So these are feelings of guilt shame and humiliation which mm. are also themes that you could find in a spanking scene sure sure you could but i think in the spanking scene or in any type of like a bdsm type of role play or anything like that you are relegated to a sense of um fantasy to it mm. that you can explore some of these things in a more um safe environment yeah. You know, I, I think there is definitely a safety to it. And, it, you know, people play right and they, they they care about one another in the right way that there is a safety to that. Yeah. And I think that's what's so great about the, the scene in general that they there is. I think there's a lot more with uh, consensuality or, you know, consent. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I use that word right. But uh, I think it's understood a lot more in a scene such as this or in BDSM in general than it is in the general population. Mm. And, uh, you know, so when people say, oh, you know, that's not right, or, you know, if a vanilla says something, they're not getting it, you know, <laughs> yeah. they don't understand it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite part about the community of the spanking scene? Uh, I, I think the closeness that a lot of people feel, and it's funny, you don't see somebody that often, uh, but when you do see them, it's for intense periods periods of time like say for a weekend or a week and you're with them all the time and you don't feel uh like you don't want to see them after the end of the weekend you feel kind of sad that you all right we got to go and then there is definitely a party drop that happens over the first few parties that you ever go to but then after a while you realize oh wait i'll just see this person at the next party can you explain what party drop is sure it is the it's the feeling that you get, at, you have a great time, you have this amazing weekend. It's like when you go on a vacation, uh, you go to Hawaii, or you go somewhere and you have an amazing weekend. And then afterwards, you've got to come home to real life, and you got to go back to work. you got to mm. go back to school. you got to go do what you got to do, and real life hits you in the face. Yeah. And you're like, wait, when am I going to see these people again? Will I ever see these people again? I had such a great time, and there's this depression that's felt uh, Mm. for a short period of time after a party. Mm. Some people feel for longer, some less. We've all felt it at one time. I don't think there's a person that says, no, I never felt party drop. Uh, But I think it, over time, for me, I realized that, oh, this is just a thing I'm going to feel anyways. Mm. So I just get back to work as soon as I get home, and I just get back to daily life, and I know that I'm going to see them in two months, three months, five months, six months, Mm. you know, whatever. So. It's kind of a suspended reality. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, there is a little bit of a fancy to it, too. So, you identify as a switch. Yes, yes. I'm curious, what is your experience with the energetic exchange? Because you experience both top and mm-hmm. bottom. Yeah. I think initially I came from a bottom perspective. Uh, most of my fantasies were in that way for some reason. Uh, not to say that I didn't want to give also, mm. I had both, but, uh, earlier on, I think when you're younger, you identify more as a bottom in that way, uh, just cause you're younger, mm. you know, especially some of us that didn't, you know, that realized it early on, you know, as a child, you're not giving to an adult per se, but then as you get older, now some of the people that maybe came into it as an adult, I don't know what their perspective could be. I know for me, that was definitely one way. And then, you know, from that, uh, I think when I went into my first party or my first play experience, it was always from a switch mentality mm-hmm. that I was receiving and giving at the same time. 
So I never really had a dynamic where I was only the bottom or only the top in that way in a personal relationship. But in play, I noticed that certain people I play with more, uh, I'd say 90% of the time or more, I'm a top. Mm-hmm. But uh, the ten percent I do bottom, it I am topped in that way for a portion of the play, and even the most hardcore tops tend to bottom by the end of our play if we decide to play in mm-hmm. every capacity. So you know, as much as they don't want to admit some of the tops will say you know well, I, I don't want anybody to know or something mm-hmm. like that it's like nobody's gonna know well now you're, you're gonna know <laughs> i guess I, I didn't mean to you know that mm-hmm. isn't every top that i play with that would only be five percent of them mm-hmm. and i'm you know put a little asterisk by the five percent <laughs> give or take 50 percent on that mm-hmm. so um but yeah what, what does it feel like to have both experiences uh, from a bottom perspective, it's, there's definitely a sense of vulnerability, a sense of that I can just let go and, uh, that I can provide somebody else some pleasure in, in various ways, whether that's that they like to give or they like to, uh, receive certain things in certain ways. And then even as a top, uh, I don't want to say I'm a service top because I definitely like to be dominant at times. But I want the bottom to get what they want. Mm. And if I know that they're not enjoying something, uh, I hope they enjoy it after the fact. Or that's mm. the ultimate goal is that they, they might not enjoy it at the time, but the fantasy is that they want to reflect on it and then enjoy it, you know, even if that's like a... So as the top, you are focusing on giving. And yeah. as the bottom, you're focusing on receiving. Yeah, you know, I guess so. And a lot of times the bottom is, is more of a sexual thing for me mm-hmm. when I bottom. So I'm definitely turned on during that time. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's something I have to maybe keep in check uh, a little bit. And even the top part, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to... Sometimes there's a, a level I don't want to go past because what if I actually enjoy this? What if I enjoy hurting this person? And there's, like, there's mm-hmm. that line, and I don't want to ever cross that line where I definitely hurt somebody. So that's why I come to parties. I don't drink. When I come to parties, I try to keep a, a clear head. I know other people drink at parties. That's cool. I to me, for me, I want to keep a clear head during that time. And also, as a bottom, you know, I don't want the the alcohol to bother my stomach or anything like that. I want to be healthy while I'm here and enjoying this. And there's other times I can drink. You know, I can do that at other times too. <laughs> Very <So>. responsible. That's <laughs> not. Nah, it's, nah, it's just my thing. So, you know. Yeah. Um, well, anything there... else you want to know? <laughs> uh, is there anything, any final words you want to say about spanking? Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, I would, and I would also say, you know, a, a lot of people just focus, oh, it's just a spanking thing. And I'd say, no, it, it, there, I think spanking is just one of several things in that range of BDSM activities that, uh, you know, you start to branch out and you try other things too. And it's okay to try other things. And just be responsible about it. And, uh, yeah, that's about all I'd have to say there. Hey there, Tosca here. So I wanted to take a quick moment to share with you all about how you can support the Sex Magic Podcast. If you haven't already, you should follow us on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page. Pretty much everything is under Sex Magic Podcast. You can also find us at sexmagicpodcast.com and we have all of our links there. But most importantly, we recently launched our Patreon and it's really important to support us because our collective of co-hosts offers a diverse perspective on sex and magic. Though we each come from various backgrounds and cultures, our unifying passion is to empower and explore sexuality, spirit, and the occult in a safe and approachable environment. Each week, we offer a new episode on a fresh subject in the realm of spirituality and sexuality. We interview a variety of guests, from authors to psychologists to witches and beyond. We strive to share content that is educational, inspirational, and mystical. So join us on our journey through sex magic by supporting the work we do. Every dollar goes towards propelling us forward and will allow us to continue creating podcasts. 
By supporting our podcast, you'll join our community and be part of the conversation. Our Patreon patrons will gain access to various resources, rituals, recipes, and behind-the-scenes access. With more funding for our Sex Magic podcast, Coven can dedicate more time to crafting sacred offerings to our supporters, sex magic courses, videos, spell books, and we really would love for you to be part of our sexy little coven. So I also wanted to take a moment to shout out a few of the patrons we have so far. Shout out to Melina Beatrice and to... Meredith Andrews, thank you so, so much. And also a shout out to my boyfriend and to my mom. Thanks y'all for supporting. means a lot. (laughs) So follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, our website, and support us on Patreon. We love you and we want to continue offering these amazing podcast episodes and we're so grateful to do that and have your support. 